Mod Rocker by Martin Sketchley. A salsa class? Me? Can you believe it? I've been coming for a while. Nice bit of light exercise on a Monday evening. I'm in the improvers class. In fact, I've been round twice. When you're in the beginners, you look across at the improvers and you think, ooh, look at them with their turns and twirls. Then, when you get over here, you realise it's mostly fumbling, apologies, three falls and a submission. Tonight's a bit different though. Something unexpected's happened. And I don't mean like when Gloria's leggings split during the warm-up. The thing is, unless I'm very much mistaken, that over there is Katie Croft. A salsa class? Me? Can you believe it? Me neither. The women move round and dance with each of the men in turn. The men are supposed to lead, but they're either too scared or sling you round like a sack of spuds, all the while staring at your boobs, of course. It was Charlotte's idea. It's a good place to meet men, she said. Like I want to meet a man. She does though, so here we are. She was in the year above. The best looking girl in the school. You couldn't miss her. That fringe and those eyes. OMG. Like someone from the Human League or Sandy from Greece. Always popular. The centre of attention. Walking around with an entourage of also-rans. Seems like another life now. School. Can't say I miss it. All that uncertainty, all that pressure, constantly thinking about girls, that slightly sick feeling on Sunday evening as another week loomed, another week of challenges and fear and dread. The kids who'd run up to you and say, Mod Rocker Punk Ted Skinhead. Mod Rocker Punk Ted Skinhead. Never a harder phrase invented by schoolboys. Every option loaded with the potential for violence. Fishtail parker or biker jacket. T-shirt with zips. Crepes old shoes or Dr Martin boots. Which one are you? Give the wrong answer and you get a griefing. Bit of a slap if they were going easy. A kick in the head and a knee in the nuts if they weren't. The boys don't see their dad. He was 17 when we met, three years older. I felt so grown up when I was with him. Trish used to write me sick notes so I could wag it. Dave would wait round the corner, then whisk me off to Litchfield or Burton or somewhere on the back of his motorbike. It was great fun for a while. A real whirlwind. Then I realised it was all wind and no whirl. I told him, I said, I want to be talked to, romanced, made to feel special, not picked up, fed and shagged. It didn't make any difference, but I loved him, so 
I just got on with it. Even when we were married, I couldn't see. I used to say, You're not wearing that, are you? Money? What do you need money for? A kebab? No, 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 you don't want a kebab. Have a battered sausage instead. You're a useless You're excuse, a useless for, a wife. excuse for a wife. I won't hit you. I won't hit you. But I'll hold but you, I'll down, hold while you he down, does. down while he does. Don't you Don't dare you deny me. Dare deny me. He loved that motorbike. I thought he loved me. My name's Stephen, with a PH. But they used to call me Stephanie. Stephanie the girl. I just laughed and played along. What was I going to do? Tell them where to go. That'd give me the mod rocker grief into end them all. The full on down the tennis courts, I'm going to rip your balls off beating all in front of 500 other kids. So when they laughed at my greasy hair, I laughed too. And when they threw my bag across the playground. And when they kicked me up the arse as I tried to pick everything up. Mod rocker punk Ted Skinhead. There wasn't an option for the ones who liked music and writing. Wimpy, wanky, arty, farty, dickhead. Just not the same, is it? Katie Croft. They used to sing this song about her. How many times has Crofty added off in an English country garden? She's had it twice and she thinks it's very nice in an English country garden. So, I snogged a boy or two. Where was the harm? I just wanted someone to like me. But then there's repetition. On the back of the bus, some kind of resuscitation. And then a gradual realisation. And you get a reputation, don't you? If you're a girl. Inside, I knew I wanted something else. Something more. And I could see there was more. Way off in the distance. I just didn't know how to get there. What I did know was that everything I did, all the choices I made, friends, options, whether I said yes, could affect the rest of my life. So much pressure. Self-imposed, because no one else cared. I just wanted my parents to stop rowing for five minutes and remember I existed. So, when I wasn't with the lads round the back of the kitchens or down by the tennis courts or in the trees by the wildlife pond where they killed that frog, I was between the library shelves, lost in Steinbeck or Dylan Thomas, alone in the soundproof room listening to the radio or waiting for the bus to come and take me away from all this. Take me away from all this and back to Clifton Campfield where there is absolutely precisely, fuck all. There was this one lad, not gorgeous like Michael Jones or tall and buff like Timothy Cook, but there was something in his eyes. They said he wrote stories and poems and songs and I thought, imagine that. Stories and poems and songs. <laughs>
gone to the cinema with Ginger Kev. The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, a film about a Boeing B-29 superfortress crashing on a desert island. I'd have enjoyed the film more, but Katie Croft was sitting behind me, eating fruit pastels. I pretended I hadn't seen her, as if she'd know who I was. He was sat right in front of us. I looked at the back of his head and thought to myself, so what if his hair's a bit greasy? You're not at school. Mum and Dad don't care. He writes stories and poems and songs. Say something. Do something. So I leaned forward and I said, Keller French? Katie Croft? Speaking French? Into my ear? Kelleris, fucking eel. I mean, by all means, set your stall out, Katie, but not with something from the language lab. For a minute there, I didn't think he was going to say anything. I gathered myself together, then looked at my Casio LCD watch. Uh, it's quarter to four. Then he just carried on slurping his Kiora. I didn't know what to do then. Any other lad, Johnny Moore, Rosa, Smithy, they'd have been round like a shot, mauled me all through the film and then bragged about it at school. But he just sat there, cool as a cucumber. And that made him even more interesting. So I got my sweet wrapper and wrote on it. Then I just reached over his shoulder. She just reached over my shoulder. And gave him my phone number. And dropped some litter on me. I picked it up and looked around, but she was already walking toward the exit. I called after her. What do you think I am? A womble? Well, she didn't hear me. Probably just as well, really, because then I noticed something on the paper. Six, nine, three, two, seven. A phone number. What did this mean? Maybe she thought I was someone else, like when Lee Davis got me confused with Stephen with a V and headbutted me after assembly. I mean, let's face it, I was no Danny Zuko. I was just me, a wimpy, wanky, arty-farty dickhead. Two weeks, me and Stephen went out. Well, I say went out, we didn't go anywhere. I knew I was playing with fire. If Rosa or Johnny Moore heard about me and Katie Croft, the word griefing wouldn't have come close. It was like the pictures had never happened. Talk about playing hard to get. I steered clear at school. Pretended I hadn't seen her. If she was in the canteen before me, I'd miss lunch. Even if it was sausage day. But every day, at 6.30 prompt. I'd slip off down the phone box with a variety of interesting topics written on a piece of paper. And the phone would ring... Hello. Are you alright? Not bad, thanks. Uh, did you see Blue Peter yesterday? No, I don't watch it. I think I was the only one at school who did. It was both entertaining and educational. Why it wasn't compulsory, I'll never understand. They made a scale model of the Royal Albert Hall out of a wire coat hanger and a toilet roll holder. Is that right? Um... What do you think of the new Japan single? Oh, David Sylvian's so gorgeous. Jane likes the bass player, but I think he's a bit weird looking. 
For a while there, I did dress like David Sylvian. A long coat and a pair of espadrilles from Bacon's. I even wore hairspray. Mum said I looked like Lady Diana Spencer. It's a Motown song. Smokey Robertson wrote it. Motown. And he starts going on about the history of this song and the Motown record label and this and that, rambling on about Detroit and how it was called Motown because they made cars there or something. I spent ages on those lists. Thought they'd cover me for hours of riveting conversation with the best-looking girl in the school. But I just felt stupid. Out of my depth. And all the while, I'm thinking, ask me out? Why don't you just ask me out? Write me a poem? A song? A love letter? Anything? Thing is, up to that point, I'd kissed only two girls... Leslie used to come round when I was little and we'd play tents in the back garden. And Tina Haig, who snogged both me and Ralph on the way home from the swimming baths. And there I was, supposedly going out with the best-looking girl in the school. So in the end, I just did what was easiest and... Stopped phoning. No explanation. No formal chucking. No nothing. It was as if he didn't want anything to do with me anymore. One time, we passed each other in the corridor at school. All right? I was not all right. No, Stephen, I am not all right. That really stung. But seriously, it might have been summer loving, but I didn't have a clue, let alone a plan. Then, Alex Smith asked if I wanted to go round and watch him play some Echo and the Bunnymen on his electric guitar, and I thought, well, why not? So here we are, 40 years later. And look at me now. Sad. Empty. Useless. All stretch marks, hotties and HRT. A career going nowhere and a failed marriage. To a man who ran off with someone 10 years younger than me. And you think to yourself... Is this it? Is this my life? And you just want a one-way ticket. To somewhere you can forget everything. Start again. Become someone else. And then... You turn up at a salsa class on a Monday night and it's like... 1980 all over again, with that feeling in your stomach. And all you want is for someone to like you just for being you. You're Katie Croft. You won't remember me, but I'm... Stephanie. Stephanie the girl. Of course I remember. Never thought you'd be into salsa. I've been round twice. How was it? Very nice. You should see me and Chuffler Doble. <laughs> Is it good? Talk of the class, so they tell me. Mud rock upon Ted Skinhead. You what? Something we used to say at school. Oh, I never heard it. Perhaps it was a boy thing rather than a girl thing. You had to choose. Mud rocker punk Ted Skinhead. Which one were you? I was a boy. No, I mean... I had a snorkel, Parker. Ah. Do you still write stories and poems and songs? Not so much. I wrote a song about you once, though. You didn't. I did. What was it called? I felt an inadequate fool with the best-looking girl in the school. Oh. I see. 
Why did you stop phoning? Didn't know what to say, did I? You said plenty, as I recall. Wasn't we ill, though, was it? What about now? Is this real? I'm not sure yet. I'm not really in the mood for this tonight. Are you? I'm still bruised from last week. That Jeff doesn't know his own strengths. You fancy something to eat instead? Maybe. Like what? There's a chippy round the corner. Does great kebabs. I've never had a kebab. So, can I buy you one? Okay. Then you can sing me that song. Mod Rocker is a Listening Shelf Audio production. Written by Martin Sketchley and performed by Sarah Jane Rose and Ian Pringle.